Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Spoon Mob Pod. My name's Ray. I am your host. And on today's episode, going to be talking about uh, this restaurant out in San Francisco called Saison. So it's among the top restaurants that I've been to in terms of just overall experience. Um, and it was kind of like a last minute ad originally to a trip that we were doing to San Francisco to hit up a bunch of different restaurants. Pretty much had the rest like kind of booked in advance and it was just based on the flight schedule and everything. We kind of had this opening for a dinner and just checked and they had openings and threw it on there. It was known kind of back in the day as like one of the most expensive restaurants in the U.S. Kind of back in like the 2011, 12 range, um, kind of in there. So right along with like Masa and New York, they were both kind of labeled as like these super expensive restaurants. But when you understand basically, you know, food costs and everything like that, it makes a lot more sense. Really, the price itself is not that bad. It's pretty comparable to all other kind of Michelin three-starred restaurants, um, even though it, I think it's down to two actually right now, just because they had a change in chefs for about a year. But uh, the part that'll get you is the wine list. So they have like an extensive wine cellar, uh, Mark Bright, who's one of the co-owners of the restaurant, um, runs the wine program. And I mean, they have stuff from all over the place, like Burgundy, France, which is, you know, stuff that's really expensive. A lot of Bordeaux, a um, bunch of high-end stuff from Napa too as well, since they're right there. And, you know, a lot of stuff from France. So they have a mailing list, uh, email list that you can get on. I'm on there. Um, they don't ship to Ohio from like their kind of wine, um, retail wine at home uh, website that they're doing since they started that during the pandemic, but it's cool to just kind of follow along and like you learn about new wines and stuff. They kind of send out little blurbs about, you know, almost kind of like the wine of the day. And every once in a while they get like new stuff in, they'll get, um, you know, vintages all in the series of years. So like, you know, 95, 96, 97, stuff like that. So pretty cool to follow along with, but, um, the restaurant itself, it's, run by and owned by Josh Skeens, uh, who's this chef. He's really big into hunting and sustainability. Um, his other restaurant, Angler, he's got one in San Francisco and then one in LA with one in the Seattle Bellevue area on the way. Still kind of working on constructing that just because it's part of a, a new housing development in Bellevue that's being built too from scratch. So um, the restaurant itself opened back in 09. It started out as a pop-up. So he's originally from Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and he's just kind of like an outdoor kid. And that's, you know, I mean, he was doing stuff like catching snakes, um, you know, different, you know, frogs, stuff like that. Um, and he was also big into martial arts too, as well. So those are kind of like the two things that he was doing. He was either always outside or always doing some sort of martial arts. And as he kind of kept growing up as a teenager, you know, he's kind of hanging around with the, with the wrong crowd a little bit. Um, but, um, you know, he had some issues with trying to get a job just because of the crowd, you know, and the reputation that he was with. So he eventually started working as a dishwasher, like most chefs do, uh, once he turned 15, but then he, you know, really got obsessed with martial arts. Uh, he wound up moving, uh, he traced down the lineage of, it's called Bagua Zhang. Uh, 
And so, you know, he traced it from like Boston through New York, China, all the way to San Francisco. I guess that's where the last living survivor, a guy by the name of Master Liang Kiang Ya was located. So he actually wound up dropping out of high school. He moved up to Boston to stay with family, um, kept pursuing martial arts, and then, you know, started bouncing back and forth between Jacksonville and Boston, Uh, wound up eventually landing in Atlanta, where he lived for a period of time in a Japanese temple and spent uh, time practicing martial arts in the woods by himself. And he's also fell into like foraging because of that. And he didn't really have like a career path or any sort of real trajectory. Um, He wound up back in Boston in 2000, got his GED there. And then he came across like a brochure for uh, ICC, the International Culinary Center. And that's kind of, you know, he knew he wasn't going to be able to go to college with the GED, didn't have a grade point average that was going to be good enough to get into any school to kind of figure out what he wanted to do. So he wound up enrolling at cooking school. It was just basically he thought it was the only place that he'd be able to get into. So he went to the French Culinary Institute in New York City and about 20 years old, uh, he's balancing a full course load. Uh, he was doing a work in a full-time position in the kitchen at uh, Vong, which was one of John George's restaurants. It was a, like an innovative Thai restaurant. And then after he graduated from uh, FCI, and one of his uh, classmates actually was David Chang. And he's been on Chang's podcast, I think, twice um, kind of first at the beginning and then once a few months later. So if you go back through the Chang feed, it's probably 2019 is when he's on there. And I think they're both like basically the highest uh, rated podcast that Chang's ever had when he's on there. And it's really interesting to listen to. He's also been on, um, Josh Skeens has been on uh, Steve Rinella's podcast, that Meat Eater podcast. There's an episode and he talks about like uh, ikijime, which is this whole way of killing a fish. Basically, you shove like a, a metal rod down pretty much its spine uh, through its mouth, and then you electrocute it. Um, and the whole concept there is like quick death, and then also it doesn't mess with any of the you know the muscles or um, of the fish and anything like that and taint the flavor essentially of the fish. And I'm really paraphrasing that, but it's a pretty cool process and there's not a whole lot of people who really know about it. It's something that pretty much is only taught in Japan. So like Chang and, and him, uh, I forget which episode it was, if it was the first or second, but they, you know, they spend a good like 15 minutes on it just because there's nobody else like they can talk to about it kind of thing. So, but after um, he graduated FCI, he went back to Boston. Uh, he helped open this restaurant called Troquette. And then once that opened, he bounced back into martial arts, spent a few months doing that, then went back to the culinary industry, started working at Ambrose uh, Ambrosia, which is Chef Anthony Ambrose's restaurant there. And then... You know, he went back to martial arts and he just kept bouncing back and forth. Um, just lack of decisiveness on kind of what he wanted to do. And he went to China back in 03. And that's kind of when he finally fully committed to a career in the culinary industry rather than uh, as a martial arts instructor. So when he came back to the U.S. from China, uh, he settled in San Francisco uh, he wound up getting the executive chef position at Set uh, Chez TJ, which is in Mountain View. 
And he was basically the chef before, or really the chef after him wound up being Christopher Costeau, who's of the restaurant at Meadowood and the Charter Oak, Napa Valley out there. Um, that's It's kind of a restaurant that's been like an incubator almost for like high-end chefs. So pretty much they spend like a year or two there as the executive chef. They either go somewhere else or get recruited somewhere else or open their own restaurant and then probably a handful of years after they open their own place or out on their own, um, they wind up, you know, getting notif- noticed by, you know, all the different awards bodies and everything like that. So that's kind of Chez TJ's claim to fame, but he was there for two years um, and started kind of making some national headlines there. And that's kind of where he realized his full potential. He was able to basically combine his culinary education and training with his kind of self-disciplined martial arts mentality and he was able to figure out like new dishes experiment with different ingredients in unusual ways kind of all this stuff so san francisco chronicle took notice uh and it got a three and a half out of four stars review uh from that paper which is a big deal um, pretty much anything four three and a half or, or three stars is a big deal uh from the san francisco chronicle out in the bay area there And like I said, he was there for like two years, wound up um, getting recruited by Michael Mina to help him open a restaurant down in Monarch Beach, California called Stonehill Tavern at the St. Regis Resort. So he was there. That's about like an hour south of L.A., uh, give or take. And he ran the kitchen there for a year. And then he came back to San Francisco, started doing some menu development, consulting, uh, different recipe concepts, did some chef training for Michael Mina's restaurant group there too, as well. And then he, um, you know, when he was working inside the Mina group, you know, kind of doing a variety of things that kind of helped him understand the business side of owning a restaurant and running a restaurant, like what the cost of goods really were, organization, supply chain, kind of all this stuff that you don't really get any exposure to uh, until you kind of just fall in it. And that's kind of the thing that Chang always is um, a big advocate for is, you know, skipping culinary school, but focusing on kind of the business aspect of running a restaurant, because pretty much the goal of all chefs that go through culinary school is to one day have their own restaurant but they don't, they're not really prepared for it in terms of accounting and organizational structure and hiring the right people and developing talent and all this stuff. So, um, he kind of got a firsthand, you know, look at everything that goes into that and was able to get himself ready to, to open his own restaurant. Um, and you know, he started shopping around the idea, but you know, even Mina kind of pitched in to um, going to different pitches for investors, but just really wasn't able to find the right financial backer um, for his business. So instead of, you know, just kind of giving a shot to any sort of business partnership with anyone, he started just doing a pop-up version of his concept. And it was basically in a garage down an alleyway in the Mission District. He called it Saison. It started in 2009. Basically, every Sunday, he would wheel in the cooking equipment inside, like this basically like empty garage that he got, and he would set up the kitchen, cook. Uh, he would serve a $60 prefix menu. It was all like hyper-seasonal fares. And only seated eight guests at a counter. 
And then after dinner, he'd break it all down at the end of the service and take it all home and do the same thing kind of over and over week after week. And the whole concept was cooking all the ingredients or having the ingredients, some part of the dish touch an open fire um, was essentially his concept for Saison. So it got pretty popular. Uh, It was kind of like the cool thing that kind of spread word of mouth. He was able to eventually uh, increase the hours and even started a a food cart called uh, Cart 415 at the beginning of August in 2009. So he's trying to capitalize on kind of like the food cart um, trend in the moment there. And he just found himself becoming almost like this poster boy for the entrepreneurial chef in San Francisco. So he had multiple creative outlets. He was just trying to experiment with different stuff and figured out what worked and what people liked and kind of go from there. Um, As it became more and more successful, he kind of looked at different ways to make it more efficient, provide a better experience for guests. So uh, eventually had a co-owner and sommelier Mark Bright come in in 2010 and they basically took the garage kind of shed-like structure that they had, which was behind the stable cafe, and they turned it into a small permanent fixture um, that wouldn't have to be rebuilt and disassembled each day after service. So uh, they were open, you know, five nights a week. They were able to double the seating capacity almost, basically, so it went from eight to 18 counter seats. Um, And then shortly after that, they started getting more accolades, um, too, as well. He was named, Skeens was named Rising Star uh, Chef by StarChefs.com. And then in the fall, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle um, basically named named him their Rising Star Chef of the Year uh, as well. So, and the Michelin Guide took notice as well and awarded him a single uh, Michelin Star, one Michelin Star. So, in the fall of 2011... Basically, it was like the day after the restaurant flooded, and that happened frequently because I guess the where the where it was situated, it was like below street level. So anytime it rained, all the water would just kind of flow like into the restaurant essentially. Um, so it was like the day after it flooded again, they were awarded a second Michelin star, and that was in 2011, and that was reflected in the 2012 guide. And then um, he was also named best new chef by Food and Wine magazine for 2011 too as well and the year's best chef by San Francisco magazine. So he just keeps, you know, getting this notoriety and these accolades and going up and up and up too. And then after he got the second star, he kind of felt like he was obligated to make an attempt to get the third star. It really wasn't something that he was planning on, but it's kind of like you're already, you know, over halfway there, you might as well go for it. So in order to do that, he knew like he needed a bigger space for the restaurant. Um, there's just no way that it was ever going to win three stars in its current iteration. So he uh, was basically able to find a new space for it. And they brought in a few other financial investors and they moved it to um, this building. It's the, what is it? the California, it used to be called the California electric light company building, but it's like this historic red brick building. It was built all the way back in 1888, survived the 1906 earthquake um, but it cost them like $3 million to renovate it. And it's in the, uh, it's South Soma area. So that's South of market district, uh, downtown San Francisco is where it's located. And that's still, still where it is today. Um, but after they did the renovations and everything, 
it opened in 2013, had twice the seating capacity um, as the old space. They added a 14-person bar. They had a private dining room. Uh, they eventually put a like little test kitchen in kind of a loft mezzanine uh, in the back corner. Entire kitchen is open concept, so there's no walls or barriers separating seating from it. So pretty much wherever you're sitting in the dining room, you have a line of sight into the kitchen and to the entire staff to see what they're doing. Um, and they just basically created this like unique fine dining dinner experience. Um, and it's really cool in there. I mean, 35 foot high wood beam ceilings. Um, like I said, they have the research lab, 5,000 bottle wine cellar, which they would get the uh, wine spectator grand award for basically every year since it was first, um, awarded to them. Um, they have like an eight foot hearth in the kitchen. There's a Maltini stove, um, German engineered five level fire. So it's called a Miwi and it's basically just a series of decks. And so you can basically, you know, put stuff on the top shelf and it gets less heat and more smoke and you can mess with different ingredients kind of where you place them to as well. So it's all really well executed. And then at the beginning of 2014, he got nominated for a James Beard Award for the Best Chef West category. Um, he wound up being a semi-finalist uh, that year too as well, a couple of months later. It's basically been that way every year since. Uh, has yet to win the actual award. I think him and Chang on one of Chang's podcasts joke about just the fact that like he's like, I, for, I don't know if he's like 0 for 9 or something like that. Like He's been nominated for like Best New Restaurant, stuff like that, and has never won anything uh, from the foundation. But like he's this great chef and great innovative chef, but he's just never received any like recognition really outside of nominations from the James Beard Foundation. So that's kind of why you like take that stuff with a grain of salt, like because sometimes just because you didn't win an award from them doesn't mean that you're not one of the best chefs in the country, as he's demonstrated through every other outlet like possible. Um, pretty much in 2016, you know, the restaurant debuted on the world's 50 best list, um, which is another kind of accolade that's great to have, but doesn't. You know, it's not the end-all, be-all either. Um, basically, has been ranked as high as, I think, 27. Um, was the highest that it's ever been on there. But then, I think, like, 2017, he started messing around with a concept called Skeeton's Ranch. So, he's just trying to, like, get back into the woods, get out of the kitchen. Um, the idea is basically a place where people can, like, pay. They come in. Um, and then it's full of like these outdoor activities. So there's like fly fishing, um, you know, some educational stuff, cooking around open fire, kind of all this different stuff. It's actually a really cool concept. Um, and so he started testing that out. And then in December, 2017, he announced plans to open a string of more casual restaurants. Um, those are the angler restaurants. So What's kind of special about those is it's very seafood heavy and a lot of the seafood they get that's local and it's sustainable. So purple sea urchin, which is like an invasive species to California, um, really, I mean, almost the whole West Coast it stretches anywhere from LA, LA all the way up to Portland. Um, that's pretty much like always on the menu. They put live tanks in there. So um, basically they would have 
fishermen go out, catch certain fish, bring it to like right to kind of street side, unload it. They put the fish live into live tanks and then they would be, you know, killed to order essentially. So that way they were the freshest possible um, ingredients for, for what people are ordering. So it's a really cool concept. There'll be another podcast kind of on angler there too as well. But, you know, after he kind of opened those, um, he was still messing around with different, you know, concepts. He eventually was able to kind of launch Skeen's Ranch, though I don't know if it's still operating in the middle of the pandemic. I don't think so. And he was just started focusing on ex- expanding a little bit with the angler concept, basically being like he's been a chef for so long. It's, it'd be nice to like start actually making some money. So one day he could, you know, effectively retire. So, um, you wound up bringing in Laurent Gross, who's a chef from, uh, who's been around over in Europe. He had a restaurant called, uh, I think it was L2O in Chicago. That was one of the, it was like a two or three Michelin star restaurant in the like first Chicago guide, uh, that they did back in 2011, 2012. So he's had a ridiculous, like Laurent Gross has had like four or five different restaurants that he's run that have reached three Michelin starred status. So he kind of came, Skeens was able to get him out of retirement. He came, took over as executive chef. Um, and that allowed Skeens to kind of focus on other things. And they wound up doing a, a little remodel too, as well. Um, I think this was like May, 2018 when they did that. And in June, when they started doing, Michelin started doing the California Guide, um, when they basically took San Francisco and just turned it into the entire state of California so they could basically include L.A. again. Because um, they had an L.A. Guide for like two, three years, like 06 to 09 or something like that. But they stopped doing it because of the recession. And they also stopped doing the the Vegas guide too, as well. Really the Vegas guide was more due to the recession. The LA guide, I think it was just cause stuff was so spread out. It was really difficult for inspectors to get to all the restaurants kind of in the city in time for the guide to be published. So I think that's kind of the main reason why they stopped doing that too, but they decided to bring it back and they just merged everything into the state of California guide. So they got knocked down uh, from three to two stars. Basically, anytime there's a change in executive chefs uh, at a Michelin restaurant, they will um, they'll lose a star. Like it's pretty much automatic. It doesn't exactly make much sense because it's still the same concept. But you know, I guess they feel that um, for whatever reason, that's the way to go. So, and then in like the f- fall, it was like the middle of November, I think, two thousand. 18, um, maybe it was 2019. I don't remember, but he started doing, uh, another concept called Skeen's place where he was hosting like a dinner series out of his home, um, in the Hollywood Hills in LA. And basically he was cooking a 12 course, all inclusive tasting menu dinner, uh, a couple nights a week. He would forage, fish or hunt, um, for the ingredients that he was using himself. And then, you know, would do the do the dinner guests were basically you'd have to fill out like a request for an invitation form and then they you know be hand picked out of the group of online submissions and stuff um i'm pretty sure i did one and just never heard anything back so 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that concept's still going on too as well because of COVID, but, um, and then you want to, you know, some of the, the cost, uh, that people would pay was donated to, you know, different organizations, um, ending childhood hunger, I think was kind of the main concept that they were donating stuff to. Gross wound up leaving, uh, about a little after a year, um, he wound up basically his whole family was in New York. So he wound up going back to New York. Uh, and then they never really named a, a new executive chef. It was basically, you know, kind of skiing started doing stuff. And then once the pandemic hit, they closed all the restaurants due to the statewide mandate. And then I think it was about a month after the closure, they reopened Saison uh, as basically almost like a barbecue restaurant in a way, like a really elevated barbecue restaurant. They called it Saison Smokehouse. So they were doing takeout delivery um, of different you know meals and made wines available for purchase through the website too as well. So they were helping residents get food. Uh, they were doing some staff member meals too as well, um, trying to raise a little cash for the restaurant workers. Um, donated some food to, to those in need too as well. So they're kind of doing a whole thing. And that's kind of where they're at now. So, I mean, they're still operating on that. Uh, I don't know if they've reopened for, for dine-in. Um, you know, it was a couple of years ago when we went there. So it was before they did the the mini renovations that they did. Um, and there's a course breakdown on the Saison page, but probably I would say the highlight really, I mean, there were all the courses were excellent. The only one that kind of had a, a small issue with was the first one just because it was like uh it was like amber jack lettuce wraps and they gave you like all the different ingredients but you kind of had to assemble it and the whole logic is that you're eating with your hands you're um assembling your you know your own dish and stuff like that to kind of give you a connectivity to you know the ingredients and the restaurant and everything but on the flip side it's kind of like if you're paying the price that you're paying like I don't really want to have to like make my own burrito kind of thing too as well. So uh, a little bit of a catch 22 on that one. Probably the most famous uh, dish that they have is the sea urchin, the uni toast, which is basically sea urchin on top of this like buttered toast that they cook over um, the open flame, the hearth there in the back. Barbecued quail, that's actually, you can kind of find that on the angler menu too. It's a different variation, um, but that was for fantastic too as well. I'm imagining that transitioned over to the Saison Smokehouse, if I had to guess, um, just because it's kind of almost like a staple of theirs. And like the antelope broth, like that was amazing too as well. That kind of kind of got me into like broths um, really I would have to credit that dish for that because before then it I was never really into anything like that. And then since, you know, um, there's this company out of New York, uh, by Marco, is it Marco Cantone? Who's a chef. He has a restaurant out there, but it's called Bodo broth and it's like a bone broth. There's like chicken, beef, a mix of chicken and beef. And then they also do like a, a mushroom seaweed broth and they're all very good. Um, so I'll order that from time to time. They ship it to your door and I mean, it's low in calories, high in flavor. Um, it's great for the winter too, when it starts getting cold out, um, just for having for like a, a lunch or something like that, or like a light dinner or something like that too. If you don't know what to eat is kind of how I use it. But, um, 
the Sunday, which is kind of the same thing that they have also at Angler too as well. That was really good too. So the whole experience, like, you know, you walk in and you go to the bar and you get a glass of wine and they take you back to your table and it's all kind of like there's some animal heads on the walls and then there's like some fur pillows. Um, the wine list is super extensive. You kind of have the kitchen like right in front of you so you can see everything that's going on, see how they're all moving and everything. The staff was great. Um, the primary guy that we had that was waiting on us was, uh, his first name is Thatcher. He started his own wine company, uh, his own sommelier company. I can't remember the rest of his name, but uh, Thatcher Briggs, that's his name. Um, so you can look him up too. He's got kind of his own West Coast Psalm wine company that he's doing. He doesn't work there anymore, but uh, he was fantastic when when he was waiting on us and, and everybody else too as well. Um, it was kind of like pretty much like all the servers, if you could even call them that, like they were all Psalms. Um, so like just any wine recommendation or anything, like they were really plugged in. It was really cool to just kind of interact with those guys. Then we had cool table um, neighbors too as well. They were from, I think, Australia or New Zealand. Uh, One of those two countries, I don't remember which. And they were just in San Francisco on holiday and they were just bouncing around eating too as well. And and they, (laughs) the one guy got pretty wasted, um, which was great. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a really cool experience. It's totally worth the cost, um, the money that you would pay to, to eat there, uh, couldn't recommend it enough. Definitely want to go back one day um, whenever San Francisco is no longer burning and they're actually taking um, indoor dining reservations again. Um, yeah, it's just one of my favorite restaurants that I've been to so far. Um, it's really up there with you know Pigeon and Mabel Gray. Those are like my top three restaurants um, that I've been to that I would definitely want to go back to in any capacity really. So. And that's kind of, that's kind of it. I mean, he's a, he's a cool dude. Check out the David Chang podcast. Can't recommend those enough. It's really interesting. Um, just because like the whole time, especially in the second podcast, like Chang is just kind of like pressuring him to like become almost like this in a way, like a culinary personality. And he doesn't, he's not like, doesn't mean anything you know negative by it, but He's, you know, like you have this entire wealth of like, you know, hunting and cooking, like with, you know, minimal tool, like skill set and knowledge, like you should, you know, expand that and, and like bring it like forefront kind of to like the, the culinary industry, like people who follow the culinary industry and the whole time Skeens is like, eh, but I don't really care. Like, I just like doing what I'm doing. And it's just like, Jang's like, yeah, but you come off like when you don't do press and stuff, you come off like a little bit of, you know, like a dick. And he's just like, yeah, you know, I mean, that's their opinion. I don't really care. Like, it's pretty great to just hear the back and forth. Like, he just doesn't give a shit about like the accolades or, you know, all the kind of fluff stuff that can come with it. He's just like, I cook good food. I cook what I want. Like, it's going to be an awesome place for people to eat. But like, I'm not going to come out and like, do some sort of cooking show to like help give it publicity or anything. He's like, if it's really awesome, like people will find it and they have. And I mean, that goes back to his pop-up philosophy too. So, you know, how he started everything, he bet on himself and I was like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. This is going to be really cool. And you know, people find it and they did. And he eventually had three Michelin stars um, because of it, because of how he's doing everything. So 
those are really good podcasts to check out. Um, he'd be definitely a cool guy if you could ever, if I could ever somehow get to the point like we get to like interview him. That would be pretty awesome to do. Um, reminds me, I should go check out like the Skeens Ranch and uh, um, stuff at Skeens Place and see if those are still uh, operating. I'm curious. I was following him on Instagram, but he doesn't. None of the accounts really post that much except for Saison, but you can check out the Saison Instagram uh, account. Um, I think it's just at Saison. Saison SF is uh, the name of the Instagram account, but check that out. Check out the Spoon Mob website, uh, course breakdown, a little bit more in depth, also a little bit more on Skeens' bio and just kind of culinary career and everything. That's all up on the website. So check those pages out. Um, appreciate everybody listening. Check out past episodes of the podcast, um, as well as the Parts Now Known podcast that we have going on. And um, help spread the word. Rate, review, subscribe on all the different platforms, all that good stuff. And uh, appreciate everyone, and we'll talk to you guys later.